0: The Athletic. G'day there and welcome along to a brand new podcast that brings you all the big F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. I'm James Baldwin and this is the Race F1 Briefing for the 22nd of February 2024 brought to you by our friends at GridRival. The race has four people on the ground in Sakia, which means we have eyes and ears all over testing. So over the next 10 minutes or so, I'll be bringing you up to speed on everything you need to know from day two of 2024's F1 pre-season testing in Bahrain, including how a loose drain cover interfered with running, problems for day one pace setters Red Bull, positives for Mercedes and Ferrari, and more. So let's get into it. After Red Bull's apparent cakewalk on day one, there was a new pace-setter in town on day two in Bahrain, and it was Ferrari. Once again, the Scuderia chose to split driving duties between Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz, and both ended up top of the timesheets in their respective sessions, though there was much more to those times than meets the eye. Signs ended the day with the quickest lap of the test so far, a 1 minute 29.921 second effort which left him 0.758 seconds clear of Red Bull's Sergio Perez. However, that rather meaty advantage was helped by Signs using the C4 tyre, a step softer than Perez and most of the rest of the top 10 used, and softer than the softest compound used in Secure during a race weekend. Signs had been slightly later jumping into the SF24 than anticipated on Thursday after Ferrari opted to give Charles Leclerc some extra running in the evening session to make up for time lost due to an unusual incident earlier in the day. The 26-year-old had sat on top of the timesheets when TV cameras showed him dislodging what turned out to be a loose drain cover. That led to a red flag and the session being ended over an hour early as repairs were made to the circuit. Despite his stop-start day, Leclerc was confident enough to declare this year's car as a much better starting point than last season's Red Machine. The racer's Mark Hughes also noted Ferrari's suspiciously good long-run pace. But how good a shape are Ferrari really in? The racer's Ed Straw, who spent much of the day out on track watching the cars in different sections, gave this assessment. Things are looking decent for Ferrari. The car seems to be less wind-sensitive than last year's and generally an improvement in terms of aerodynamic stability. From what I understand, it's working as hoped when it's not hitting drain covers. Ed continues, however, the concerning thing for Ferrari is it doesn't look like it's at Red Bull's level. What's more, there was a hint of higher tyre deg than some rivals on the C3 compound although it's hard to draw many conclusions from that. So my feeling on Ferrari so far is good, but not great. Some positivity for Ferrari then, but don't let the timesheets fool you. Few are thinking it's a Red Bull beater just yet, not even the drivers. Sainz said the Red Bull's design looks half a step ahead of the others, whilst teammate Leclerc admitted that Red Bull unfortunately remains quite a bit ahead. And you can read more from Scott mitchell marm on the Race website about why Red Bull's rivals have been left wowed and fearful by its new car. On to the aforementioned Red Bull then, who on Thursday gave Sergio Perez a first chance to get behind the wheel of its aggressive and so far extremely quick car revolution. But unlike Max Verstappen's flawless Wednesday, the Mexican, such as his luck, immediately hit trouble, losing time in the pits early on after his front right brake caught fire on an installation run and had to be repaired. He did eventually get a run on the mediums and went fourth quickest, but ended the earlier session with only 20 laps on the board compared to the 60 plus laps Verstappen logged in the same session the day before. That led to Red Bull adjusting its plan and giving Perez the full day to acclimatise to the RB20, with the six-time race winner eventually adding 109 laps to his tally in the extended five-hour afternoon session. And that's despite a sudden loss of power that at one point left him crawling back to the pits. Second on the day for Perez will do little to quell the feeling in the paddock that Red Bull are the runaway favourites in 2024, perhaps even with a bigger margin of superiority than they enjoyed in 2023. But if it's all plain sailing on track, off track, there are plenty of clouds still hanging over Red Bull, with team boss Christian Horner in attendance at pre-season testing, despite an investigation taking place into allegations against him, continuing to project a business-as-usual stance by fielding questions in a tense press conference on Thursday. The natural question at this point is, when can we expect the situation to be resolved? According to the race's Scott Mitchell Maugham, realistically, it was not expected to be resolved before the opening race of the season in Bahrain. But it has been suggested that, due to so much speculation and misinformation being shared, it could be finalised next week, as the situation risks running out of control. Watch this space. The Race F1 Briefing. Back to On Track Matters now and Lewis Hamilton was the other driver to get a first taste of his new machinery on Thursday, jumping into the W14, likely to be the final Mercedes he'll drive in F1 for the first time. The man who made so much noise in the off-season when his sensational 2025 move to Ferrari was announced, ended up clocking 123 laps, second only to Perez's 129, in a car which looked from the outside a much more drivable proposition than last year's Silver Arrow. That assertion was backed up by the man himself, who said, It was a productive day out there. We gathered lots of learnings about the W15, both in our long-running and single-lap work. We've clearly made an improvement with this year's car and it's much nicer to drive. Hamilton finished the day in third on the timesheet, around four tenths down on Perez on the same tyre. Where Mercedes is in the overall scheme of things remains a bit of a mystery though. Our man Gary Anderson spent the day out on track watching all the cars and his assessment was, the Mercedes looks like it's up there in the group chasing Red Bull, but not necessarily at the front of it. And you can read Gary's full trackside verdict on every 2024 F1 car on therace.com. Don't forget that hyphen. We'll get to the rest of the headlines in one moment. But before that, I wanted to tell you about an amazing opportunity to put your F1 knowledge to the test and potentially win 5,000 US dollars. Throughout the 2024 F1 season, The Race is partnering with our friends at GridRival to bring you our very own Fantasy League. It's free to join and free to play, and what's more, it's an amazing way to make watching every F1 race weekend more fun. GridRival is the original app for fantasy motorsports leagues and is the only platform built by race fans for race fans. Join our F1 League and build your fantasy lineup, then sit back and watch as it earns points based on real world race results. Who knows? You could be the lucky winner of 5,000 US dollars. And at very least, you're guaranteed to beat my team. Sign up for free using the link in the episode description, and good luck. Over to the Papaya team now, McLaren, where Lando Norris experienced a restricted day on track compared to day one, with a fuel system issue. Norris only managed 52 laps in the afternoon session, having to abort his race simulation as a result, before the team was able to return him to the track for the final part of the session. He ended up fourth fastest, two tenths behind Hamilton and one tenth up on former teammate Daniel Ricciardo, who was the fifth and final driver to beat Leclerc's morning benchmark. McLaren's CEO, Zach Brown, has been on somewhat of a mission over the winter, wanting the FIA to step in to prevent co-ownership of F1 teams and AB-style collaborations, believing it's no longer befitting of modern Formula One. And on day two of testing, Brown appeared in a press conference placed alongside both Red Bull team boss Christian Horner as well as new RB team boss Laurent Mechies. As you can imagine, we couldn't miss a chance to ask all three of them about this contentious issue, and it triggered some punchy responses which left neither Brown nor Horner completely in the right. Zach Brown said, when asked by the race why he's been so vocal about AB teams and co-ownership recently... No other sport, to my knowledge, allows co-ownership of two teams that compete against each other. I think they, Red Bull, are very much playing by the rules. I have an issue with the rules, and I believe FIA needs to address this. Horner immediately rebutted Brown's claim that no other major sport has co-ownership, pointing to Red Bull's ownership of two football teams that compete in the Champions League. He also said that the origins of Red Bull owning its second team were justification for keeping it. The energy drink giant having taken over the struggling, insolvent and on the brink of bankruptcy Minardi team in 2005. Horner concluded that he doesn't understand the fuss about Red Bull owning two teams and that the drinks manufacturer should actually be applauded for the support and commitment and the jobs that they've provided through the good times and particularly through the bad times. This is likely to be an issue that will play out for weeks to come, especially if RB demonstrate real and consistent pace when we get underway with racing in 2024. Ed Straw has dug more into it on therace.com, don't forget that hyphen, which is definitely worth the read. Let's talk about the team stuck in the middle between Horner and Brown now. RB. They continued their impressive pace and reliability in testing on day two, with Daniel Ricciardo managing the fourth fastest time when the flag fell at the end of running. Using the C4 tyre, Daniel was able to all but match Max Verstappen's best time from day one, a good indicator of how the teams are dialing in their 2024 contenders. But many of you might be asking yourselves, are there really four Red Bulls on track for 2024? Well, the race's technical expert, Gary Anderson, was tasked with an in-depth comparison on day two. Gary says that to compare these two teams, I think we can really only look at the Red Bull 2023 versus the RB 2024. No one has gone down the Red Bull 2024 design route yet, and I doubt very much Red Bull was forthcoming with much concept information even to its sister team. They share lots of mechanical parts, including the gearbox and rear suspension and front suspension, which makes it cost-effective for both teams, but that is acceptable in the regulations. Actually, by defining what you can and can't do in the regulations, this is even encouraged. Gary has gone through, in detail, comparisons of the front wing, side pods, overhead views, airbox and rear wing, and beam wing and diffuser to find out. You can see all of that detail on the website, And if you're a visual learner like me, Gary's managed to find some great photos to compare. His conclusion, though, is that the RB is no more a copy of the 2023 Red Bull than any other car on the grid. Looking further down the field, before we wrap this episode up, Lance Stroll was seventh fastest for Aston Martin, with the Alpine of Esteban Ocon, who spent much of the afternoon running on the harder C1 compound, eighth, after an improvement on the C3 later in the session. Valtteri Bottas in his highlighter green Sauber was ninth ahead of Oscar Piastri. Sauber have been on the quieter side of the news and testing so far, but the almost Audi team seemed to be making steady progress after falling behind in 2023. Williams' Logan Sargent was the third driver to spend all of the second day in the car and clocked 117 laps setting the 11th fastest lap time. Finally, something that's piqued my interest is a steering wheel. No, it's not the WhatsApp logo on the radio button at Mercedes, but down at Williams. The Grove team have ditched their fixed digital screen position in the FW46 for this year, taking the screen-encompassing steering wheel that we've become accustomed to in Formula One. Perhaps this is another James Val's direction change that brings together the bigger picture of fighting towards the middle of the mid pack in 2024. Well, that's it for this episode, but if you want the full picture behind the headlines, don't forget to check out the Race F1 podcast. Ed and the team will be bringing you an in-depth analysis of everything that happens on track throughout testing, as well as bags of behind the scenes information, pace comparisons and more. And if reading is your thing, there is tons to read on our website. Head to therace.com, don't forget that hyphen, where you can see Gary's full detailed analysis of the RB and the Red Bull, Ed's take on the Horner and Brown disagreement, and plenty more. Thank you so much for your company today. I hope you're enjoying this new style of F1 podcast just as much as I am. I'm James Baldwin and I'll be back with another edition of The Race F1 Briefing presented by Grid Rival after day 3 of testing in Bahrain. The Athletic